Just as a disclaimer, we want you to know that some of the movies that we will be reviewing were shot in a different time and era where people of race and sex were not treated equally. We understand this and hope you do too. The movies or anything that happened on the sets are not the views of this podcast or what this show is intended to be all about. Exactly. And we want to give due diligence in presenting the movie and not the views of the cast or directors or anyone involved. But we also feel it's necessary to let the audience know some of the background information to get a feel for what was happening at the time of shooting the film. Again, we hope you understand that we do not agree with everything that went on and we just want to give out the information. And with that being said, hope you enjoy the show. This morning, TDRS picked up an automated navigation beacon broadcasting at two-minute intervals in Neptune orbit. Neptune orbit. This is incredible. It's the event horizon. She's come back. The event horizon was the culmination of a secret government project to create a spacecraft capable of faster-than-light flight. The ship doesn't really go faster than light. What it does is it creates a dimensional gateway that allows it to jump instantaneously from one point of the universe to another light years away. Where has she been for the last seven years, Doctor? That's what we're here to find out. After seven years in deep space... There were 18 people on board this ship when it disappeared. I want them all accounted for. Opening outer door. It came back abandoned. Any crew? Negative. This place is a tomb. But it didn't come back alone. Captain Miller! I've got some problems here! This ship has been beyond the boundaries of our universe. Who knows where it's been and what it's brought back with it. What is it? This ship is reacting to us and the reactions are getting stronger. What are you telling me? That this ship is alive? Oh. I have such wonderful things to show you. Oh my God. It knows my secrets. It knows my fears. Vacate, I want off this ship. I can't leave. She won't let you.
All right, guys, welcome back to the Tragedy of Cinema podcast. I'm your host, Jimbo, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts, as usual. Terrence. And Kyle. Kyle, today we will be discussing a movie that was kind of requested, but not really. Um, but it's something that <laughs> I have really? never How's seen. Kind of requested? Well, I mean... It was kind of requested by Kyle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was up there my suggestion film. It's a film that's near and dear to my heart because right. it described me as a child. But so. <laughs> we are talking about Event Horizon. Uh, this is episode 62. So uh, without further ado, I'm not going to ask any questions this week. We're just going to jump right I into it. keep skipping questions, man. Well, because I, I got to think of them. <laughs> questions, you know, yeah. So Terrence, let's take it away. All right, Event Horizon. Uh, this came out August 15th, 1997. Uh, this movie runs around an hour and 36 minutes, uh, so your average movie movie length. Um, there was a rough cut of this movie that was two hours and ten minutes, uh, but you, as you'll see uh, in later conversation, uh, a lot of that was cut for various reasons. Uh, this is rated R for various reasons. <laughs> it was rated <laughs> MC-17. For a while, yeah. Uh, yeah, until they cut a lot of stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this had a budget of sixty million, mm-hmm. and it didn't. It, it uh, the domestic box office it made twenty six point six million. So it wow, wow. Right, that's still a failure, but not as a you know like I almost expected that to be like they made twenty six dollars. Like oh no, well, <laughs> here's where you see international box office, which uh, they made seven hundred and eleven dollars. <laughs> $711. Wow. I didn't even know. That was just okay. Like, like, but, I, but I wonder, was that banned in certain, certain I would arenas, so. maybe? Um, I would imagine Germany there's would a lot that. of places that it, it didn't pass sort of their whatever censorship laws they have. Um, mm-hmm. I know, like you said, Germany has some pretty strict uh, laws. Yeah. Australia has their own pretty strict laws when it comes to uh, graphic content along with, you know... It was definitely a movie trying to ride the line in America, which puts it over the edge in a lot of other countries. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, So worldwide, we're still looking at only $26.6 million. Um, Mm -hmm. We can look at the box office of August 1997. Uh, The top five, which obviously this movie's not even close, but it's still interesting to look (laughs) at the top five of the month and year that Let's see if we can guess. uh, Is Titanic on there? Was that 97? No. I believe Titanic was 97. I thought that was like December '97. Maybe it was honest, honest. I think it was at the the tail end of it, right. which means it would be the next it would year. count for '98. Yeah, I believe it's yeah. Uh, so box office '97 at number one we have Air Force One. Great. At number movie. two we have Conspiracy Theory. Number not th- so great. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait till you see what's next. Next we have Spawn. Abomination. <laughs> and then that's, we, that's, for the top five of that, what a weak year. <laughs> <laughs> then we have George of the Jungle. And then at number five, we have Men in Black. Uh. And then box... Now, here's the box office just for 1997. We have Men in Black at number one, Jurassic Park, The Lost World at number two, Liar Liar at number three, Air Force One at number four, and then the special edition of Star Wars Episode Four: <laughs> <A> New Hope. <laughs> that's what, so 1997 okay. is when all the special editions right, right. came out. So yeah, they, that's when they started that whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they they came in top. It's option I want to see it six more times um, today. <laughs> So I think it's always I don't know you know what I'm not even gonna down that <laughs> rabbit hole. We'll talk about here's it. a can of worms. Terrence went open up with you. Every time Star Wars is all yeah, I'll, I'll bring up that stuff when and we come back. And a galaxy far, far away. All right, so uh, and then all the way at 
number 77 in the box office of 1997 is Event Horizon. Uh, <laughs> what was right above it, I wonder? <laughs> uh, let's see. We have This was directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Uh, the writer was uh, Philip Eisner. Uh, we had director of the uh, director of photography Adrian uh, Biddle, editor Martin Hunter, um, producers we got Jeremy Bolt as producer, uh, Colin Brown as executive producer, Nick Gillett as executive producer, Lawrence Gordon producer, Sarah Isherwood assistant producer, and then Lloyd Levin producer. And this was distributed by Paramount. And then finally, we have the tech specs. Uh, sound, we're looking at uh, Adobe Digital. Uh, this movie's in color. We're getting, I think our next couple movies are, except for one. Um, mm-hmm. Aspect ratio, 2.55 by 1. Uh, and that was the intended ratio, but it also came out in uh, 2.35 by 1, uh, which was probably what they released on... Um, the cinema they released uh, as yeah, VHS. all the formats, yeah. Uh, then we have, uh, this was... Filmed with uh, Panavision Panaflex Panaflex premium cameras and uh, Panavision C, the E-series lenses. Uh, This was edited in Denim UK. So we actually have a different one, which is um, Rank Film Laboratories. Usually, you know, we see uh, a lot of Technicolor in Hollywood, but this one was done in the UK. Uh, The whole thing was done in the UK. That's right. Everything. Mm -hmm. Everything was done in the UK there. And then we have the film length of 2,703 meters. And interesting thing about sort of it being being filmed in the UK, um, and I didn't see anything in particular with my research of it, but I wonder if they had encountered the same sort of uh, roadblocks that um, some other movies we've went over that filmed in the UK. Because they have very strict sort of labor laws, so there's really no overtime. Um, as far as working goes, it's like, hey, you guys have to wrap up or be done with filming at this time, and then mm-hmm. you can't go. But any see, further. this is this is one of those movies that's done at a lot later time too. That's so true. those the ones yeah. we've covered usually are a lot earlier than that. So that's true. Um, so I don't I don't know. If, uh, I got some stuff in my notes where um, we'll talk about it, but yeah. I don't think it. I don't think that applied anymore. Okay, got it. Because I think yeah. that was Apocalypse Now that, that that dealt with that when they were editing. Yeah, we were talking about that in our podcast. Yeah, that was Apocalypse yeah. Now had a lot of a lot of <laughs> difficulties. Oh, <yeah. laughs> um, and let's see. Oh, yeah. And uh, cinematographic process. We're looking at Vista Vision. Vista Vision. Vision of Vistas. And then printed film format 35 millimeter. And now for the awards. Uh, there aren't many. <laughs> wow. Matter of fact, his intro to the awards was longer than the list of awards. back in a compliment. Uh, so we have Brussels International Festival of Fantasy Film, uh, also known as BIF. <laughs> It's got three episodes. Is that a you know. back to the feature reference? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, yeah. 1998, uh, they won the Pegasus Audience Award. Uh, and that went to Paul W.S. Anderson. Uh, and then they have Fangoria Chainsaw Awards, 1998. They were nominated for the Chainsaw Award of Best Actor, Sam Neill. Then International Horror Guild, 1998. They were nominated for IHG Award uh, for Best Movie. 
Um, and I would imagine that the one before that, the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards, is another horror... Um, Horror-centric thing, centric, yeah. yeah uh, awards set. And even outside of the award thing, it definitely has gone on to become a cult classic in many respects. Oh, yeah, it definitely you know? is. Um, Which is why we're covering here. <laughs> and I, I believe you can watch this. I don't know if it's still on there, but um, it was on Netflix for quite some time. It might still be. Netflix. You know who the main presenter for the Chainsaw Award was, don't you? No, I do. Leatherface. So, Kyle, you want to go ahead and take the cast That's away? That's right. Moving on to the cast. We have a really great cast. I really like them all. First up, we have Sam Neill, who plays Dr. William Weir. William Weir. Funny, he played what? Dr. Alan... Dr. Alan Grant in <laughs> Jurassic Park in 1 and 3, and soon to be the um, third movie. I think it's was it Fallen Kingdom, or the next one is. I forget what the name is. And uh, he was also in Hunt for the Wilder People, and In the Mouth of Madness, when Lovecrafting films. <laughs> Next up, we have Lawrence Fishburne plays the heroic Captain Miller. Um, you'll of course know Lawrence Fishburne from movies like the Matrix trilogies, the Matrix trilogy, <laughs> the John Wick series, um, Contagion, and his very first film, which we covered just a while ago, Apocalypse Now. I will say I was super excited when I saw him in. Um John Wick. I'm like, oh, I haven't seen Lawrence Fishburne in a movie. It's in a just, while. it's just, it's always a delight. It's just okay. like, it's never, <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne, yay! You just think you're always happy to see Lawrence Fishburne in real life or in acting, I bet. Um, next up, we have Jolie Richardson, who plays a character called Stark. Um, you may recognize her from movies such as Color Out of Space, starring Nicolas Cage, um, Snowden, Maggie, The Patriot, and King Ralph. So she's been around doing great King movies. Ralph. King Ralph. We've got to do that movie sometime. I'm a classic, too. I like that movie. Um, next up, we have Kathleen Quinlan plays Peters. You may know her from American Graffiti, the movie Breakdown, and the Twilight Zone movie. So, great stuff going in the science fiction route for her. Next up, we have Richard T. Jones, who might be the secret hero of a movie, in my opinion, uh, plays Cooper. You might recognize him from movies such as Jury Duty, Phone Booth. <laughs> Jury Duty. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, what's his... <laughs> Was he? Polly Shore. Polly Shore, yes. Polly Shore's Jury Duty. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, phone Booth, Collateral, and uh, most recently, I think he's in the, the 2014 Godzilla movie. Um, I don't remember seeing him. <laughs> huh. He's not even not the biggest actor in the world, but he, he, he does well in this movie. Um, next up, we have Jack Noseworthy, plays Justin. You might also recognize him from Breakdown with uh, uh, Kathleen Quinlan. She was also in, in Breakdown and Jack, in Jack Noseworthy in Breakdown. Um, he was also in Undercover Brother and another Polly Shore classic, <laughs> Encino Man. And lastly, but certainly not least, we have Jason Isaac, who plays character DJ. You'll recognize him from movies such as Armageddon, The Patriot, The Death of Stalin, and uh, Soldier, Equilibrium, and Doomsday. Equilibrium so, was a great movie. Equilibrium is an amazing movie. <laughs> Another one on the list. Not to take so anything away from Undercover Brother. Undercover <laughs> Also... Yeah, I love that movie too. Because you know, you mess with the fro. You got to go. <laughs> you got to go. Oh, yeah. All right, Jimbo. Are you done with the cast? I'm done with the cast. All right. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about this movie and we'll unwrap it or whatever. Um, before we do, Terrence, I'm putting you on the spot. Oh, no. Give us a synopsis of this movie. All right. So. I'm already gonna flub it. What's the What's the name of the? Oh, oh, okay. oh, obviously the ship's name is the name of the movie, which I completely <laughs> blanked. I'm like, what's horizon. the event horizon? So the event horizon goes on an expedition, disappears, and then they send the how many uh, years Lewis later? And Clark seven. I think. <laughs> I believe it was like 24. Yeah. It, it, I think, oh, I think, no. It's like 2015, they established a colony on the moon or Mars. Yeah. It was and a, it's it like was, commercial it space only disappeared, mining. It disappeared. Like, there's 24 years in between the events of, like, 
uh, modern day to now. Modern day to now, but then the the ship itself, the Event Horizon, has been gone for seven years without that's, any that's form big, of communication. Without any yeah. form of communication, because that's the big sort of stake in this whole movie is like, where has it been it, in it, these seven it, years? But wasn't, but wasn't they say it was like on the what the backside of Saturn or, or Neptune or something? I believe it was Neptune. I was it Neptune? Yeah, it was, oh, okay, yeah, it was Neptune. probably Neptune then. Um, I thought there was an allegory. It might be my nose later, but I think I thought there was so, a reason why it was Neptune. Event Horizon <laughs> disappears. Seven years later, they get communication, and then they send the Lewis and Clark to rescue potential survivors on the Event Which, Horizon, and then they um, encounter unexpected, I'm a, unforeseen events. A malevolent entity, you might. Yeah, I really <laughs> like. I really like how they named it the Lewis and Clark. Um, as a shout out, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. to the Lewis and Clark, the expedi- uh, the like on the uh, expedition, or I can't even think of the word. Yeah, I'm Terrence in it right now, but you know, <laughs> the trailblazers of uh, you know American founding of going west, uh, yeah. Northwest Passage, and all that, venturing to where no man's gone before. Right, that kind of idea. that's why I said, yeah, unquote. yeah, the, <laughs> no you know, man. but they're going out uh, probably the space where the furthest anybody's ever gone, besides the event horizon at that yeah. point. So um, I think in that in that instance it fits, but also I was like. It's a rescue ship, so you, it, it was interesting that they went with Lewis and Clark, is because it seemed like that crew in particular is for rescuing in general. Um, they seem to be that always on call uh, emergency crew. All right, so here we go. Let's dive into a little bit about uh, fun facts of this movie, um, some trivia and stuff. So, uh, all right. Paul Anderson's initial cut of the film ran for, as Terrence said, a hundred and thirty minutes. And was quite graphically violent, so much so that both test audiences and the studio balked at the finished product. Paramount ordered him to cut the film by 30 minutes and tone down some of the violence, a decision he now regrets. Although it was announced in 2012 that a full version of the film had been found on a VHS tape, Anderson revealed in 2017 that due to bad archiving, a longer version no longer exist. Yeah, it also uh, when it when it came to test screening, uh, Paramount ordered Anderson to remove the horrifying scenes and cut the running time. So it was very much the uh, studio, Paramount the studio yeah. bringing the hammer down, saying, "No, we can't." do But how this. would you like to be one of those test audiences? One of those <laughs> select few people that got to see Actually, the finished, but, finished product. It was supposed to be before, right. Um, yeah. And then by doing so, the film not only lost some of its more you know intense thrills, but it also removed some key elements that would have made the uh, the Plot whole more cohesive. bloody affair more cohesive. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Um, and you know this included stuff like I'm not going to get into the super graphic stuff, but obviously I will. there was ex- <laughs> excessive gore. There was some cannibalism, eviscerated bodies, so on and so forth. And that that was a like, lot of the stuff that was. It was removed. like Paul DeBiase and like found his Cronenberg himself. Yeah, and, like, exactly. Himself there is like that's why I want to think about this comparison. Um, but you know. Uh, furthermore, I, I would say like it, it's even though like we've lost this version of the film that is incredibly graphic and gory and disgusting, there is the argument that is actually has a little bit of a less is more approach to like maybe yeah you know maybe seeing all this horrific action and gore would have just kind of like uh, saturated you too much where you just wouldn't really feel it at and that point. You do get a, a, a clip of it in the movie. They do sh- when um, yeah, which implies so much more worse things in your mind than you oh, could possibly yeah. put on screen, right? <laughs> Uh, the rotational shot of the space station over the Earth took nearly a third of the film's visual effects budget. <laughs> All for that one So, basically, the, the, the gateway machine, uh, for those that haven't seen the movie, the gateway is basically housing a black hole on a ship, if you will. Yeah. Um, and it's just <laughs> like this 
rotational diagonal thing. Um, but Paul Anderson actually uh, redesigned it from the original concept to involve the interlocking circles as a homage to the uh, puzzle box in Hellraiser in 1987, which served as an inspiration for this film uh, by Clive Barker. So um, mm-hmm. if you've seen that, you'll see some similarities there. Especially and visual aesthetics, especially like Catholicism and Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. I, I, I found the um, sort of like the gothic, uh, uh, sort of industrial gothic take that they had in yeah. the ship's design. The Event Horizon uh, is a, just a giant cathedral. Yeah, know? exactly. So, I mean, that that was very cool in like sort of the design of the ship. and I, I, I It was pretty was, cool uh, looking. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, the spacesuits worn by the actors weighed 65 pounds. Wow. Other, uh, otherwise known as 30 kilograms each. Lawrence Fishburne nicknamed his Doris. <laughs> um, but they were so heavy that uh, they had to have special hanging poles for the actors to uh, rest on them between takes because like, it was impossible yeah. to sit down. I mean, it's a, like a real workout. Yeah. Thing. You're like, you're not. Right. You know? <laughs> but, the, but a lot of them got back pains and all that. You know what I mean? I would have so, been. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and they look really good. I mean, they're good and bulky, and they, yeah, they look real. Like we said, uh, Anderson's initial cut was uh, received the Kiss of Death NC-17 rating. Mm-hmm. Um, he also said that the movie's cult status was predicted to him years before by none other than Kurt Russell. Anderson screened Event Horizon before they started work on Soldier in 1998, and Russell said, forget about what this movie is doing now. In 15 years' time, this is going to be the movie you're glad you made. So Yeah. Uh, from green light to completion, the film took ten months—an unusual short time for such a complex and effects-driven film. Uh, the Special m- effects take forever. Well, even nowadays, it still takes like teams and teams of people. To, right. To, that's the real, you know, that's the real yeah. workhorse of the of the industry nowadays. Yeah. Uh, the model of the Event Horizon includes a complete X-wing from Star Wars as part of its an antenna array. Yep. <laughs> the model is visible them. on the lower portion of the Event Horizon during the first flyby by the Lewis and Clark. So that was pretty cool. I wish I would have known that when I watched. <laughs> <laughs> now you got to go back and watch it again. Um, you can get the image I think on Google. It's pretty easy. It's, it's nice. Uh, Philip Eisner actually wrote this movie after a family tragedy. Um, he had recently entered a multi-picture writing agreement in an effort to force himself to get back to work. He pitched this idea of The Shining in Space to the studio, which was very receptive, which I would agree that's probably what this movie is. It's definitely what the, I, I can definitely I can see, see how that's the goal there. Yeah. I don't think it succeeded, but that's definitely the goal. I will also <laughs> say when this movie was originally written, they did change up some stuff because they were like, okay, this is a little too close to Alien. And then so they they had to do some changes to yeah. make like when it first started a lot of people were like are, are you are you sure we're not ripping off Alien? They had to make some very conscious yeah. choices to remain distinct yeah. while not yeah, you know, not, not ripping off other films. Especially when, you know, one of the most prominent sci-fi horrors came out basically you know, the whole time, yeah. close to the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. the shot where Sam Neill stares out of a window which then pulls back to reveal he's on the deck of a spaceship orbiting Earth took the digital special effects uh, House Cenocite 10 weeks to achieve the shot lasts for 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly great. It's disorienting how it oh, does yeah. like, a complete rotation. Honestly, the, the except for sort of the beginning where they're kind of showing items floating mm-hmm. in, in the, the sort of uh, long hallway, like special effects were really good in this movie, except for kind of that scene. That scene was like, oh no, am I in for a, for a cheesy sort <laughs> I really, of sci-fi? I really would have but... liked to have seen it in 3D. That'd been cool. That would have been Especially with that stuff floating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially the water scenes, some of those. Yeah. yeah. fire, even. Um, Paul Anderson also uh, done Mortal Kombat from 1995. Yep. But he turned down opportunities to direct X-Men in 2000, The X-Files in 1998, and Alien Resurrection in 1997. So, huh. 
Those are all movies I would have loved to see in his take on. Right. To be totally honest, right? Uh, when Doctor Weir opens the blinds in his room during the opening sequence of the film, a whooshing sound effect can be heard. This sound effect is taken none other from the video game Doom, heard when the player opens the door. <laughs> we were just talking about that for yeah. breakfast. Or we? we were talking about some parallels between this movie. It, it made us think about sort of other franchises that had similar sort of premises. It made us think about Doom. And it also yeah. made us think about like Warhammer 40k stuff. So it, yeah, specifically about ships going through hell and those yeah. kind of ideas. And also opening it's just like, portals where they shouldn't. <laughs> it, or yeah, yeah. Or even look at the um, like uh, the, the whole the, the Dead Space trilogy took so much specifically from Event Horizon. Oh, yeah, and uh, that's a pretty great video uh, too. Clyde Barker was actually uh, consulted on the project during pre-production of this movie too, just for the record. Oh, nice. Um, the Event Horizon was modeled on Notre Dame Cathedral. Its long corridor resembles a church nave, and its interior is filled with cruciform shapes, columns, and vaults. Also, its engines resemble rotated church towers, which is very interesting considering the in- what happens in the movie. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, the watch in the spinning tunnel at the start of the film is an Omega Speedmaster, the same watch worn by Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin on their moon missions. Hmm. Okay. I thought that was cool, too. Interesting details. Uh, we talked about this was entirely produced uh, within the UK, including the special effects. It occupied seven sound stages at Pinewood Studios outside of London. Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut from 1999 was being filmed on adjacent sound stages. Um, yeah, so Anderson didn't do the sequel to Mortal Kombat, which was Mortal Kombat Annihilation, to work on this film. Which I would have wish he would have, because I'm sure yeah. it would have been a better movie. It definitely would have been a better, better movie. movie. I'm, a, I'm actually, I'm a, I'm a sad defender of Mortal Kombat Annihilation, but I agree with Devin <laughs> Much better choice for director. <laughs> uh, production designer Joseph Bennett had to find a crew in Britain that could build and finish the sets in four weeks. Before shooting began. That's insane. Yeah. Talk about crunch time. <laughs> the airlock the ship docks at is unlucky number 13 in Roman numerals. Huh. Hmm. Among those in the audience in 1997 was Galaxy Quest screenwriter Robert Gordon, who was amused enough by the notion of the meat grinder tunnel that in response he created Galaxy's Quest infamous corridor filled with uh, chompers. That is so hilarious. <laughs> that makes so much sense now. Yeah. It's all coming together now. Uh, Dr. Weir shares his name with the historical figure Johann Weir, also known as Weir of Weirus, uh, or Weir of Weirus, uh, he was a Dutch physician, occultist, and demonologist. So, um, oh, if you've seen this movie, then you really understand the the, the, the connection, connection there. Yeah. To those two. Um, there is a uh, series being developed based on the movie and will be directed by Adam Wingard. No release dates as of yet. So there Amazon. is Amazon. Is it going to be on Amazon? Prime, yeah. I didn't. It's 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 going to be done through Amazon Studios, which is very interesting. They're, they're putting out a lot of stuff. Well, they what they got Lord of the Rings. They've got, they got Lord uh, of the Rings. Will they of just Time. came out like with fifty million dollars um, a season or five hundred million dollars. I forget what yeah, it was. Like an they're, insane they're, amount of money going yeah. on. Amazon and, and they've done already a, a handful of good shows. That they put it's going to be like that show right now, where like anyone can pitch a Netflix show and get a special done. It's going to be that for like the next five years on Amazon. <laughs> like anyone can pitch Amazon, you'll get fifty million dollars. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm just interested to see how some of those are going to turn out. So, Same. Uh, Scott Glenn and Bill Pullman both turned down the role of Doctor William Weir. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tommy Lee Jones, and Bruce Willis were considered for the role of Captain Miller. <laughs> I can see. They want to be back. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and Tommy Lee Jones is, we're searching every tin can, space station, satellite, <laughs> in-house, outhouse, doghouse. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> like Bill Paxton, that'd be so good. Uh, oh, Jeremy man. Irons and Amy Brenneman were, uh, were originally set to star in this film. Uh, the first person assigned to the film was director of photography Adrian Biddle. Jolie Richardson and Jason Isaacs appear again in The Patriot in 2000. That was a great movie, too. 
Okay, here we go. <clears throat> oh, not quite yet. Uh, one of the members of the original Event Horizon crew was British director Gary Senor, who directed The Bachelor, uh, which starred Chris O'Donnell and Renee Zellweger. So here's some other of the actors that were cast and linked to sci-fi and fantasy franchises. Sam Neill plays Dr. Alan Grant, as uh, Kyle Park. said in Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park 3. Lawrence Fishburne in The Morpheus and uh, The Matrix. Uh, Jason Isaac played Lucius Malfoy in Harry Potter and The Chamber of Secrets and the sequels. Uh, the film became a cult hit among different media and even inspired games such as Dead Space in 2008 and Doom 3 in 2004, yep. which these two nerds over here was talking about at breakfast this morning. Fanatical Doom fans <laughs> and Dead Space fans. Um, <laughs> director Cameo, which I did not know he was in the Cameo, but Paul Anderson during the opening dream sequence. A book floats past the camera featuring a picture of the director and his name. The oh. director himself jokes about this detail in the DVD commentary, saying it's an autobiography titled Paul Anderson Alive. <laughs> um, the rotating corridor nicknamed the Meat Grinder that separates the gravity drive from the rest of the ship is supposed to represent the nine circles of hell from Dante's Inferno. Uh, oh, that poem. Okay. Only shots with a fixed camera could be done since camera operators became disoriented and unable to keep the camera steady. Lawrence Fishburne could not perform his run through the tunnel in one take due to the same problem. The final scene was comprised of several shorter takes, and when the fireball effect was filmed, a piece of cloth started to burn and caused a small fire. Hmm. Have you guys ever actually been to those like, um, like fairgrounds? Yeah, fun houses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the exact same thing, basically. Yeah. I can imagine, like, that's terrifying. Super disorienting. Yeah, still a lot of fun, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for Jason Isaac's death scene, the plan was originally for his entrails to be still attached to him as he hung over them. Isaacs was then supposed to raise his head, showing that he was still alive, prompting Lawrence Fishburne's character to shoot him in the head to put him out of his misery. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so some of the actors were stimulated to invent a backstory for their own characters. Jason Isaacs placed his character on his own brother, who was a doctor. Hmm. In his backstory, his character had undergone extensive surgery as a child, explaining the large scar on his chest and the visions he receives from this ship were of him completely cut open. Isaacs asked if he could take home the dummy and his likeness with the chest sliced open. <laughs> the special effects department was quite shocked with this request, so they told him they still needed it, even though they really did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, come here. Look at this. Hey, come on. I want my dead meat. I want my dead meat. Give it to me. <laughs> um, the filming of the gravity drive on fire caused a real fire that partially destroyed the set. Oh, wow. A different set had to be built quickly where the old one was being prepared. In the end, the repaired set was only used for an additional one day of filming. Wow. Hey, guys. Jimbo here. Uh, just wanted to drop this in real quick and let you know that here upcoming in this uh, conversation that we're having about some of the deleted scenes, uh, it gets pretty graphic and pretty bloody. And we talk about some things that... You may not want your children to listen to, so I just want to put in a little quick uh, warning. Um, so if you have to skip ahead about five minutes or so, uh, you may want to do that. Thanks. Huge expense for it. So here we go. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm getting ready to go through some the deleted scenes. The dark things. The dark, the dark things. Uh, so here are some of the deleted scenes from the original 130-minute cut. The meeting scene between Ware and some people in charge on the mission where they talk about Event Horizon dialogue from the Stilia scene was included in the theatrical trailer. Um, more backstory for Cooper and Justin, including much stronger explanation for why Justin enters the black hole. It was explained the gra greatest fear of Cooper was losing someone close to him, which is re represented in the film by the unfortunate accident, claims Justin. Uh, deleted love backstory between Stark and Miller. Miller finds a ripped-out tooth floating around in the Event Horizon. <laughs> uh, more scenes explaining what exactly gateway uh, to hell the black hole there is. 
a longer version of the scene where Peter hallucinates her son with his legs all mangled with maggots all over them. Um, after Justin almost died and is inside the water tank, Weir has hallucinations where Justin turns to his wife, Claire, who comes out and looks at him. This scene was included in the first two test versions of the movie, but it didn't make it in the final cut. Scene where Weir resembles, uh, remembers his wife, Claire, committing suicide was also longer and very much more bloodier. Yeah. Um, now, this... I'm trying to do this. If you don't want to cover it, I understand. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some stuff here. Uh, so if you have kids, uh, this, uh, this is some Earmuffs. pretty graphic stuff. Yeah. Um, so th- this is the infamous bloody orgy video was longer. Um, parts which are still in the scene, like one of the crew members uh, sticking the fingers deep into the other one's eyes. A female crew member doing some stuff to a guy with an iron pipe. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to be very nonchalant about this. Uh, there was a lot of uh, more shots of the Event Horizon crew naked and covered in blood, having violent sex and raping each other, uh, eating each other. Um, There's a scene where a man pulls out his intestines out of his mouth, and one crew member is held and stabbed in the back of the head with a spike, and part of his mouth and teeth drops out. Uh, crew members are crawling on the floor while others are hitting his legs with steel bars, smashing them to pieces as he screams and is crawling away, leaving pieces of his legs behind. One girl has screws drilled into her teeth, uh, other girl um, is held while her arms is broken with a hunk of metal. Uh, one of the girls has her breast mauled and then ripped off by another crew member. Uh, some other parts of the scene were also cut. The reason why this scene disturbed the test audience was because the filmmakers, in order to make the scene look more realistic and therefore a lot more violent, high real-life amputees for special effects scenes where Event Horizon crew members had their body parts damaged Anyways, and also porn actors were hired to make the sex and rape scenes more graphic. Jeez. According to producer Jeremy <laughs> Bolt and director Paul W.S. Anderson, during the screening of Rough Cut of this movie, some audience members started fainting while watching this scene. So, Makes sense? Yeah, just yeah. reading it, you know. There's a lot. Even there is, is, is some, yeah. yeah, there's. Uh, I thought Kyle was going to pass out over here. It is a whole lot definitely going on in that film. And, uh, you know, especially, like, I've read Clive Barker and, like, watched Hellraiser and watched those films. Like, it's very much people who, like, stay up all day obsessing over what kind of horrific things can go on in hell. And then Paul W. Sanderson made, like, a big effort to, like, I want to film everything possible where I thought about hell. Right. <laughs> Uh, the scene where Miller finds DJ cut open and hanging was longer and had more shots of his guts on the table. Uh, the scene where the cryo chamber is filled with blood originally had a part where Weir's hand, hand pounds against the glass from inside, smashes the chamber, letting the blood out. Then the scooper is helping Stark to escape a mutilated neck of Weir's climbing from a ladder upside down behind him. So he basically walking up to that. Yeah. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Originally, the scene where Miller fights with possessed Weir, there were part of where Weir gives what Director Anderson refers to as the Old Testament speech to Miller and tells him that the mission of pure chaos is actually hell. The visions of hell sequence during the final fights between Miller and Weir was also longer, and it had more shots of Event Horizon crew members being tortured. And then there was also three different alternate endings. Not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the first inning, Miller fights with Weir in the core. This version didn't have the jump scare at the end where the last three survivors are found by another rescue crew, and Stark hallucinates that she sees Weir. Instead, Stark hears screams of the Event Horizon crew and screams in fear before Cooper wakes her up. This was the original ending of the movie, and it was included in the shooting script. In the second ending, Miller fights with the Burning Man from his visions of the core instead of with Weir, but it was changed because the audiences of the second test screening didn't like it. This was the original ending. Hmm. The third ending that was used in the final cut is a combination of the first two endings. Instead of fighting the Burning Man, Miller fights with Weir, and the jump scare was included at the very end of the movie. For his final scene, Sam Neill would come to the studio at 3 a.m., so that he could spend seven to eight hours in the chair for makeup. In makeup, getting his yep 
horrific, you know, hell scarring markings. And here's the thing in the in the um, what do you call it? In, in the final cut, you really don't see a lot of it. You kind of just see mostly his face. I noticed that it's in, all like yeah, or immediate cutaways. Yeah, yeah. Just like you get like one frame of him that's like throwing somebody. They really don't you know. show too much, but like his whole body was actually covered in like you know these the symbolistic scarring, completely yeah. nude. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and I, I noticed in, in the, the the final cut, they mostly just show his like face and kind of upper torso, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah. But in reality, they did his whole body just yeah. to make him look you know, absolutely disgusting, horrifying. <laughs> and one script. Version is revealed that the Event Horizons computer still thinks the year is 2034 instead of 2041, as if time on the ship has stopped for the seven years that it went missing, which would have been pretty interesting. Um, all of the characters who die are the ones who immediately were present in the scene where the crew starts talking about the hallucinations. So yeah. there's that there too. Also, there was so much foreshadowing in like the first like ten minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah, like every time I saw something like that, that that something will happen there. Yeah. There's also a bunch. Of, I'm not going to read them all, but there was a bunch of additional hallucinations that were in the script, but not in the movie. Um, we could be here all day talking about that. <laughs> uh, the ship's central corridor has the shape of an eye to symbolize that the ship is always keeping watch over its victims. Hmm. Mm-hmm. When Peters is following her imaginary son in the core of the ship, the gates she passes are shaped like coffins foretelling what is about to occur. Which I, I did mean, notice that. I noticed yeah. something looked really weird there, you know what I mean? Like, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, those look like coffins. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the visual body count was three, DJ, Smith, and Peters. Spoiler alert, they're dead. Uh, Miller and Weir disappeared into the black hole, and Cooper and Justin and Stark survived to be rescued. Body parts of the original crews, who consisted of 18 members, are seen throughout the film, but since their deaths occur off-screen, they are not included. If it is assumed that all original crew members have died, the full body count would be 21. Yeah. When and it's also debatable, like, you know, like... Cooper was my like, favorite. Even if, they, even if they survived inside there, they're still trapped in hell, so they're it's like, still dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it's interesting that, like, uh, you can also argue that, at the very least, um, Miller and uh, his XO, uh, what was her name again? Um, Stark, Stark, Stark. Like those two are probably just not ever gonna be okay. And Cooper's fine because Cooper never set foot on the ship. Yeah, Cooper. He the also, only one he who... also never. I think he's the only one who didn't experience hallucinations because he, he had to step on the ship. Did he? Well, at the very end. At the end, because oh, that's right. That's right. That's so right. yeah, he was. Last he was only on like the tail end. That he didn't do any of the exploring because he was welding the most of the movie. Almost got it. Um, my favorite character. Was he the one that flew floated out in space? He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I gotta get back. And then he's the whole Iron Man thing of purging his suit. It's like, oh, yeah! Um, I'm the Superman. <laughs> so good. When, and he's the comedic relief of the whole movie. It's so good. When Cooper activates his jetpack to get back to the event horizon, Purge appears in the control. It's a nod to Blade Runner in 1982. Since then, in the spin- spinner screen used by Deckard and Guff, Purge appears when it goes to fly by. Nice. Or when it goes to fly. Uh, the man in flames who haunts Miller is revealed to be Edmund Corrick, a young crew member who died after an accident on the starship Goliath, commanded by Miller. And the floating male body with cuts over his face and body and no eyes in the opening scene foreshadows Dr. Weird gouging out his eyes and becoming disfigured with his face and body is covered in cuts. So we'll start with the youngest one of the group, Kyle. What did you think of Event Horizon? <laughs> Unpack it for us. So, um, I mentioned a little bit uh, at the very beginning of the podcast. I watched this when I was definitely too young, probably closer to when I was like uh, 10 or 11, maybe 9 or 8. I remember. But I watched it when I was young, and so I got scarred for life just for seeing that little 30 second snip of the. Uh, what would you call it? The blood orgy? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, sorry for the language there. <laughs> but uh, just having that scar me life. Yeah. And then later watched it as an adult and really came to appreciate just how um, in, in, like how insane it went, how far it went for uh, how graphic details and just trying to imagine these unfathomable terrors and uh, almost you know sp- you know cosmic horrors. So I truly love this film for having the audacity to try out those things, <laughs> but at the same time recognize that um, because of the cuts and everything else, it's also a little bit of a cheesy mess that doesn't have the highest quality of filmmaking going yeah. on. Um, Terrence, uh, what do you think? So uh, I'm inclined to agree that I, I enjoyed this film. Now, this is my first time watching this film. It's actually been on my backlog to watch list, and as mentioned before, um, when I saw it on Netflix, I put it on my I'm going to watch later, and I just never got to it. Uh I think when it comes to sort of sci-fi horror, it's a watch. Like, if you like stuff like Alien... Um, Jason X. <laughs> oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't talk about Jason kidding, X. Kidding, kidding. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, but, you know, when I, I think it, it has its place in sci-fi horror. Uh, especially because when it comes to older movies, there's not too many uh, that, you know, are like watchable (laughs) unless you like you're into sort of like cheesy sci-fi horror then it opens up the doors a little bit but as far as um you know good sci-fi horror um obviously the best one when it comes to older movies you're looking at alien Um, but i think this one's also is a a great honorable mention it's a cool classic for a reason um it's a decent movie to watch but if if it's not your deal or especially uh if gore is not so much where you where you like your horror to be, then this isn't the movie to check out. It's definitely a select viewer base for this one. It's not like a lot of the movies we cover where I can be like, everybody should watch this movie. This isn't this isn't a movie no, for definitely everyone. Not everybody. <laughs> I can see a lot of people not enjoying this. Um, but being sort of a horror fan myself, especially and sci-fi separately, um, there's not too many sci-fi horrors that I watch and enjoy. But this one I did watch. I enjoyed it, yeah. and I also like sort of the parallels to other. Um, uh, sort of IPs that I really enjoy, uh, as for mentioned, like you know, Dead Space, Doom, uh, stuff like that. So yeah. uh, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but I definitely see why this bombed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see why. Yeah, too. Th- there was never going to be a real film. Like if they ever released the NC-17 cut, no right. one was seen that, and then no one saw this version either. <laughs> and it's totally fair for why. Okay, Jimbo, what do you think? <laughs> well. This is one of those movies that I've always seen in like the video stores, Walmart five dollar bins, um, and you always see the cover and you're like, oh, this looks like a sp- nice little space movie. Uh, <laughs> oh, so no. I had never seen it. I didn't know much about it. Um, matter of fact, a couple of these movies that we got coming up, I had never seen before, and that's why we're doing this podcast. Um, this is one of those ones that you, you have to be careful in who you recommend it to because there is some nudity. Uh, there's a lot of psychological things going on. There's a lot of, um, I guess, psycho- uh, psychotic episodes. Um, you have the, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah. the kid that um, was a Fishburn um, that had the kid that kept appearing to him that he uh, lost. No, was... uh, the guy that had it that was. Uh, yeah, with a little, little boy with right. the mangled legs. And no, 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 no. Or, that, or that was that, that girl's was the... dog. No, I'm talking about yeah. the. The, the the kid that um, was on fire all the time. Oh, oh the the young gentleman who was right. on fire, yeah, yeah that he yeah. left yeah. behind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so there's a lot that may trigger be a trigger point for some people. Um, to me, uh, the reason this flopped is you can have a lot of gore and it not be a good movie. Um, yeah, would I say this is a good movie? No, um, compared to everything we've done, I would say oh, this is not true. a good yeah. movie. Is it worth a watch one time? I would say yes. 
but know what you're getting into. Yeah. There is some language. There is some nudity. There is a lot of blood, a lot of guts. Yeah, uh, yeah. Even masochism. You know, such yeah, there is a there is Honestly, a uh, suicide. There's yeah. uh, there's a lot of stuff in here. So if you do decide to watch this, just I don't want to say it's it's. It's not a good movie. Let's we can be frank. It is not a good movie. It's a fun watch at times, but just to say, hey, this is a good movie for everybody to watch. Like Terrence said, you can't say that. No, um, yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely a cult classic for reason. It's like yeah. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. It's a cult yeah, classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah or it's uh, just like say like you know like once again like you know the, the movie didn't turn out, but it had a bunch of interesting ideas for like specifically right. of space horror that and, I like and appreciate. And you can see if you've ever read Dante's Inferno, you can or know anything about it, you can, you can see, see the, the correlations. Yeah about uh, the black hole being hell, uh, people getting sucked in there and all that. Um, so it was very interesting. Um, so for me, it was okay. Um, I know, I think Tiffany said this is like one of her favorite movies. I think she just got like a special edition and a poster or something. So Tiffany, sorry if I uh, didn't like it as much <laughs> I mean, as you. I think it deserves its fan base. I really do think yeah, it's, well, it's, it, it's yeah. going to have its it, fan it, base. It's, it's, you know, it's... It, it feels so conflicted. Saying was like, I love this movie, even though I do think it's also bad in, in, <laughs> right. in, in, in a myriad of ways. But it but is a living. I, I can say that as a huge fan of Evil Dead. It is Another a cool classic. Itself, just like, that, like you know, will, it's a great movie, but a bad movie. I will never watch Jurassic Park the same way. Again. <laughs> <laughs> just for the record, um, but. Yeah, so take this with a grain of salt. Or as a highly warning, if you do decide to watch this movie, um, that just know what you're in for uh, because it's yeah. not going to be for everybody. And if you have kids, if you're one of those parents that let them watch anything, then go for it. But if you if you know, be wary. What, yeah, it, it, just don't. It was going to be rated NC-17 <laughs> for a reason, so yeah. just just be wary of that. So on a brighter um, note. Our yeah. next episode uh, is on the next episode of the Great the North. Cinema. It's going to be North, North by Northwest. North Alfred Hitchcock's yeah. North so, by uh, Northwest. Definitely West. watch that. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Here we go again. Uh, it is a great movie, but I don't know. Arguably, maybe his best. So. <laughs> well, I think we're uh, closing down the Event Horizon because we've been gone eighty-seven years um, so <laughs> in the darkness. <laughs> I think this episode's coming to close, and that's wrapping. Terrence and Kyle, take it away. And, and cut. cut.